Hi, and welcome to this Property Life podcast. My name is Caroline Claydon. I'm a property investor and have bought property for the last 25 years. And today I have a discussion with a good friend and business partner of mine, Sarah Blaney, talking about the pros and cons of working with angel investors in your property business. What's actually in it for the angel investor to get involved? How do you find them? How do you structure the agreement? How do you pay them? and what interest rate should you be paying them? We cover all the unanswered questions you might have in your mind and are happy to answer anything further again that you might have. I know that you're gonna love this episode. Hey Sarah, great to see you. I know you're somewhere camping at the moment. Where are you in the world? I know, yeah, I am in the great British countryside down in Devon in Sulcombe which if um, no one knows where that is, it's kind of on the East Coast, uh, down the bottom of England. And it is, I think it was voted the most expensive coastal place in Britain to buy. Ooh. And you can see why. I mean, it's landlocked. So, you know, I mean, well, not landlocked, as in it's got very limited space to build on. So the property that's here is the only property that's here. And it has a demand because of it. Um, and it's extremely beautiful. It's like, if the weather was better, Caroline, I would, could imagine I was on the Mediterranean. Amazing. So you're obviously shopping for your holiday home, which is good to hear. Um, I thought <laughs> it was good for um, our listeners to get a little understanding of your background. Because I know you've been on the podcast a few times, but maybe they don't actually understand how you came about being a property investor. We've known each other for a number of years. Um, so why property? How did it happen? Uh, where did it begin for you? So I think like a lot of people, um, I've always had an interest in property. So I work with Rick, my husband. Um, and for those that don't know, Rick and Caroline's husband, Nick, go um, long, long back. So I think it's been a few decades now of friendship um, between the boys. And obviously then we've come along and uh, and become a great foursome as well. Um, so we've always loved property. We always dabbled in property, you know, even going back sort of 20, 25 years ago, I guess, we started buying a, a few buy-to-lets in that that normal way of saving up a deposit, buying with a mortgage, waiting mm. a few years and, and kind of doing another one. Um, and then after a bit of travel, a bit of living abroad in Australia, we came back, um, started our own business, got that little bit of entrepreneurial spark. And, um, you know, as, as we've spoken about often, Caroline, it was you and Nick that really pushed us to make that entrepreneurial jump into property. So, um, do you know, I think it's going to be coming up for our eight year anniversary at the end of this month. Ah, there we go. And we do say, Sarah, that we are obviously the brains and the driving force behind it all, while the boys are probably on the golf course patting themselves on the back, saying how clever they are. Um, so here we are podcasting and today's topic is super interesting. I don't think there is a property investor out there that doesn't still talk about this, which is the raising of private money and why private money is always going to be something that we use. And no matter how much cash we have, we're going to continue to use it. And I think for people who are starting out, the immediate reaction is, I don't know anyone with money. 
Why on earth would anybody give me any money? How do I find these angel investors? How do I structure it? How does it all pull together? Who actually pays them the money? And they just get themselves muddled up in so yeah. many questions that um, they get tied up. So we're going to untangle that today about yeah. how you and I have dealt with angels in, in the past, uh, how we deal with them now currently, where we are using them right now and why this is a massive benefit to them putting the hat on the angel's head on what's good for them. So do you want to explain a little bit in case any of our listeners don't know what we're talking about when we say angel investor, what that actually is? Yeah, so the the term angel investor for us means basically a private individual, a high net worth individual. And I'll explain that in a moment as well, because that sounds like, well, I definitely don't know any high net worth individuals. Um, But a high net worth individual is someone who has capital that they um, are not using that they can lend lend to you and loan to you in your business where they will get a return for it they'll get an interest rate for it um, and then you use it in your business you have a contractual agreement and then you give it back to them and you give them their interest back now it's it's, it's purely as simple as that and the way it's structured is literally in a myriad of different ways yeah. um, so it's what works for you it's what works for them and it's what the market at that time is is kind of demanding as well so there's no um, right or wrong it is yeah. literally a blank piece of paper where you sit down and you decide what everyone needs and wants yeah and you're right about the whole deal in itself on dictating some of those terms because there's certain elements like the time scales that you're using their money for, how they're going to get their money back, how much they're going to invest. Let's start unpicking some of that just now so that people can understand how we piece that together. First of all, are these angel investors easy to find? I think, you know what, they are if your mindset is there. Yeah. So for me, when I first started, and I think sometimes it's like, well, how did you get your first one? Because that's where a lot of people might be at the moment. They, they might not have, have gained their first angel and they're sort of up against this massive brick wall of I don't know any. And even if I did, I don't know how to talk to them. So I know when I first started, it was very much I thought that they were doing me a favor. That's how I entered into um, sort of thinking about angel investors. And I think it was Nick actually who said to me, oh, no, 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 you take a step back. You're not doing them a favor or they're not doing you a favor. You're doing them the favor. And he said, it's a complete win-win situation. And you've really got to switch your mindset to say, actually, you can take it or leave it, Mr. Angel Investor, because I'm giving you a great deal. um, And I think that we could work together really, really nicely on it. And I think that that was the thing that for me that sort of switched it was, yeah, actually, it's not I'm not going to them with a begging bowl. This is a business opportunity that would do them well. Yeah. And, and it has. I, you know, we've I know we've both got regular investors and have had over the years yeah. who just repeat, repeat, repeat. And if I added up, you know, the amount that we've um I suppose uh, yeah, borrowed from those guys, what we've given back, the interest we've given back. We're talking some massive amounts for those guys. And, you know, they they can do without what they want. And, you know, they can do on holidays, on school fees, whatever it might be. But it is a true win-win. It's the mindset that's everything. 
Yeah, there is so much money out there in the monetary market at the moment that this is actually probably the easiest time to find individuals who are sitting there and thinking, hang on, even though the base rate is at 5.25% right now, I'm not getting 5.25% on my savings. And I know that the inflation rate is, well, they're reporting just under 9%, but we know it's over 10%. But it doesn't take a genius to work out that their money set in the bank is actually eroding away. And so it's every one of the listeners out there duty to go out there and help people solve this money problem that they don't have a solution for, right? Mm -hmm. So how do you do, um, well, number one, you mentioned high net worth individuals, and I think that will scare quite a few people. I mean, have you taken, let's say, £5,000 from an angel investor or £10,000 from an angel investor? Would that be something that you'd consider or is that just too, too small fry? I think when you first start, that is definitely um, figures that you can, you know, if you're looking for £80,000 to get you started in a project, and if you find eight people that have all got 10k, then that works. Obviously, there's a little bit more um, administration in there and a little bit more keeping people happy, you know, than if you had just one investor with 80,000. So, you know, obviously, we'd all have a preference that we could just work with one person, build that relationship, and and it would be lovely. In reality, that doesn't happen. So, you know, I know a lot of people who have financed um, deals where they've taken 10, 10, 20, 30, you know, and and built it around into different structures that way. So, yeah, high net worth is, um, people think it's millionaires. It really is not. Yeah. I mean, I I think that basically anyone that has more than £10,000 sat in the bank right now is crazy because that's their money just literally losing value all the time okay so um, we know that there are people out there that need this it's about you going out there and offering the opportunity they are relatively easy to find you don't need to know them as your friend or your family member you just need to tell people what you do and when you are educated and know how to structure this that does give a degree of comfort to the angel that you've covered every potential eventuality within the deal and you have an answer for all of them Mm-hmm. Talk me through how, what's your, if you were to describe the ideal angel investor scenario, what would that look like for them? And what would it look like for you? So I think for them, it would be someone who has an amount of money. Um, and again, you know, 10,000 is a lot of money to people. And it could be someone that's got, you know, 200 to 300,000, even more, depending on what deals we're obviously looking at. So they have an amount of money that is not their, you know, the the money that they need to survive on. It's money that is sat, not working as hard as it could be. It's on their mind, probably, that they should be doing something with that money, but they're not quite sure what it is. Um, And, you know, it's something that they're going to get around to at some point. They're going to invest in this or they might look at this or, you know, we might look at crypto, might look at gold. I don't know. And ultimately, they kind of never do anything with it because life gets in the way and they don't, you know, they don't have the time to research. So someone who has the money that is there, it's not working hard enough for them. And then for me, I would like to come along and speak to those guys and say, well, you know what? That money that you've got there, that could benefit my business by being, you know, putting it in, put it into growth, having to scale my business up. And at the end of it, you get your capital back. You also get your interest back. And we do that in whichever way you feel comfortable with. And ultimately, because I invest in bricks and mortar, Hmm. 
there's so many there's so much safety built into that because we have surveys done we understand what the valuations are um you know we we always are i suppose just we do our due diligence on all the deals and you know what if my deals don't work they're not deals yeah and obviously you know i've got now eight years of of um i suppose hardcore investing behind me um but you know decades of investing in in property as well so we understand the markets you know and we know when a deal is a deal and when there is safety always structured into that deal for our angels yeah okay so let's take one of your current projects as an example so you have a commercial mixed use property right now what what are you what are you planning to do with that commercial mixed use property yeah, so I think, you know, another thing that we always do in our business is we um, diversify the portfolio. So we started by Tillets, we started HMOs, we've done commercial to residential, um, you know, we've got the hotel, obviously, and then the hospitality side of things. Um, we're in um, a space which is commercial space now. Uh, we've got a new brand called Worksy, which is um, a co-working space. It's a bit more than co-working, it's whatever the demand in that location is about so we've got two projects on the go at the moment one is in Southport in Merseyside uh, which is um, is is financed and we're, we're going through the build on that one at the moment and we've also secured our second site for the Worksy brand which is going to be in Hampshire and that is a four and a half thousand square foot building uh, currently uh, retail so it's a furniture shop um, and we will be completing on that in, in a few weeks time and when that completes, the build of that will be, so we've, we're buying that for 240,000. So for the quick maths among you, that's about 54 pound a square foot. And just to give a bit of reference on that, the average price per square foot of commercial space in that area is um, about 148 pounds per square foot. So we've made our money when we buy. You know, yeah. it's already a great uh, property and we negotiated, we got a good deal, we we secured it in a creative way with, um, you know, exchange and delayed completions to get planning through. So we used all of the experience that we've learned over the years to get that, that great deal. Obviously, we've done all the demand analysis um, and this will also be a co-working space. But there'll be little bits of retail, there'll be workshop studios, there's music rehearsal studios built in. It's basically taking a big space, carving it up into smaller units of income generating uh, contracts and whatever that market wants, that's what we're going to deliver to them. Um, so that's the next project for us. Uh, and that's the one that we're looking um, for investors to come on board and, and sharing that one with us. Um, so it will be, yeah, sort of probably in a few weeks time and then the build will start and then that will launch in summer 24, hopefully. Lovely. And so have you got a minimum level of investment that you would look for on that project? Because obviously it's bigger. Do you have like a criteria that your angel investors need to, to match with? Yeah, so I think on this one, uh, we're looking for um, anyone that's probably got between 50 to we're, we're, the ultimate figure that we're looking for is 300,000 um, to complete the build on that one. 
Um, so anyone that's got between 50 and 300,000 and then, you know, depending on, on what they have, whether we take in two investors or three investors, the ideal is that we would have someone who would just invest with us on that one project. Um, and interestingly, on commercial, you know, you can use pensions as well. So um, someone who perhaps has got a pension that's not working hard enough for them at the moment as well. Brilliant. Sounds brilliant. Now, when they come on board, how do you plan to pay them their interest? Is that going to be quarterly, annually, when you pay them back? How are you going to structure that? Whatever they want to happen. So we've got investors that we pay back monthly. Um, and that's been a continual thing. We have investors that we pay back quarterly. We're just about to take on a new investor who uh, would like that quarterly. Um, but then equally, we, equally, we've got people who want to roll it up and you know we we kind of play with the um percentage figure that we that we put the loan contract at to yeah. suit the way that it gets paid back so generally um you would get a higher rate of investment or a higher rate of um against the loan if we roll it up and pay you back at the end um if you want to go on a monthly it would be a slightly lower but again it depends on the amount depends yeah. on the time uh, and it depends on how that interest is paid back to the person. And that really changes with the marketplace, right? Because when Nick mm -hmm. and I started back in 2008, 2009, money was seriously scarce. Like there was no cash anywhere. Like even the banks didn't have it. So I remember paying an angel investor 2% a month. Yeah. 2% a month on money. Now, if you were to say that three, four years ago, people would think you were insane. But the quality of the deals we could get back then could support 2% a month, right? Now, when a market changes and adjusts, and actually there's more money readily available, ultimately you pay less for it. But then the quality of the deals probably doesn't stack up to then support the 2% a month level, right? So it's all swings and roundabouts. I know that personally I always do the the monthly interest I prefer it um, but that comes from a place of my fear of having a failed business in the past right and I would be still in a position of not wanting it to to catch up on me because I can't predict the future but that's purely personal so when you said what would you like to happen I always offer monthly. Now I have got a couple of investors that say we'd prefer it quarterly and that's fine, play it quarterly. I always like to time it with my VAT quarter, so I remember. Um, but it just, anything that keeps it simple and straightforward, like setting up a standing order that's every month at the same date is easy for us as investors to manage, but it's also nice and manageable for the angel investor uh, to manage. Now, what kind of levels, I mean, obviously we're doing different types of projects but what kind of interest are you paying um angels at the moment as an example and you can and just obviously yeah. it can be works depending on time frame depending on how much they're investing how do you you in the current market what would you say is roughly where you're at so it is changing almost weekly mm. i think at the yeah. moment um, <laughs> currently we are at nine percent um and that's just jumped up wow so gone up yeah so when I if I think back to eight years ago uh when we took our first angel investor on we were doing 12 percent mm -hmm. so not as high as as your two percent a month um but you know still quite a lot yeah it went down to as low as I think six percent 
when money was cheap um, and, you know, easy to come by and they no one was earning anything at all in the banks. Uh, and then just recently, you know, we were sort of at 7% and then it was like, well, you know, why would I invest at 7%? I'm getting 5% with my bank. And you're like, yeah, fair enough. Do you know what? That's a completely valid thing. So we've started to move that up now. That's really interesting because, again, private money is so sexy and versatile because it we you've just said it's down to our mindset on how we find these angel investors, but actually it's down to the mindset of the angel investor as well. So I have angel investors who are delighted with 5% because they know at the beginning, so our current project, for example, it was 5% granted before the base rate was going up. Um, I pay them monthly. They're going to be in for three years, but they are very comfortable at the fact that they're going to get 5% regardless of what the hell happens four or five years done. And they really, really, really are happy with that. Now, if you've got quite an aggressive investor who's got quite a, a kind of bullish attitude to investing, they're not going to be happy with 5%. But little Miss Beanie down the road, who's maybe just inherited some cash from her dear Auntie Nanny and doesn't know what to do with it, 5% to her is great because she doesn't trust banks. She doesn't like, you know, the, the institution of the bank. So again, 9% in the current market, I would say is very competitive. Very attractive very attractive um i've actually in one of my deals got angel investors who all came in at the beginning and getting one rate and then as the project developed and evolved and needed a second tranche of investors they got a different rate just because the market had changed and i'm very open and honest in fact one of those angel investors he got the first rate and then he came back to give me more money expecting the same rate but i said no i'm going to give you a percent more and he was like really yeah. And actually, I was kicking myself going, damn it, I didn't need to offer that because he was going to invest that money anyway. Yeah. It just sweetens the deal even more. And also then they go off and tell other people what a great deal they're getting and then yeah. work around, right? I think that's a really important point, Caroline. I think that that this is, we've always said this is a people business yeah, uh, and to build relationships and you know, if I look back on, I mean, to date, we have raised, I think, and paid back 1.5 million in um, private investment. And that has been kind of more or less with the same pool of people all the time. So we have built an amazing relationship with our angel investors. You know, they generally will always repeat, repeat, repeat. You know, occasionally we might have someone who, um, has you know 50 grand put aside for a loft conversion or a, a home improvement thing where it's builders you know are not able to start for a year and they're like well okay I've got this money for a year but then I need it because I'm going to spend it on my home and you know that's fair enough that that investor doesn't always obviously come back until they've built up a pot again um, but generally it's always relationship building so I think it's great that you gave that person that extra percent because the next time they're just going to go, well, of course, I'll invest back with Nick and Caroline, because why wouldn't I? They always treat me with respect. Yeah. And I do think that, you know, we talk about friends and family a lot. And I hate, absolutely hate mixing business with my friends and family. I just I kind of when I started out, I just didn't do it. 
Um, again, that's a personal preference. I, I kind of mastered the get strangers to give me money thing first. But from that, it naturally gets, it got into my mind that actually, why am I paying all these strangers this lovely interest rate and I'm not offering it to my nearest and dearest? Yeah. And obviously by then you've got a bit more confidence, you've got a bit more of a track record and 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 they can see what you've been doing and they're interested and it, it, they're more confident in it. Um Let's talk a little bit about the security element of it because that's not something that I offer readily to my angel investors. And I think some people starting out will think, hang on, you're expecting somebody to give you, let's say, 100 grand, 200 grand, 300 grand, and you're not going to give them uh, security on that. Have you ever had any issues around that topic at all? So again, like you, we are very similar in that in that model that we have very rarely given security. In fact, we've never given a security um, on any of that 1.5 million that we've been loaned and repaid. Um, and we've never actually been asked either. That's interesting. So um, whilst you started by more sort of focusing on strangers or acquaintances, um, I very much went for the family friends route, friends yeah. predominantly. Um, and I guess that's probably why I've never been asked because we're already, you know, the trust is there. Yeah. Um, they know what I do. They've seen what I do. They believe. Oh, we have just lost Sarah. Her internet connection has just gone. But um, I'm going to carry on talking about angel investors because it's such an interesting topic. Um, just to give you an idea of what um, I'm paying my angels at the moment, um, one of my developments, I started uh, offering at the 5% mark, then I upped that to 6%. I'm currently offering, depending on the amount that's um, available, you know, for example, I'm raising, I'm looking to raise 250000 in the next couple of weeks. Um, that if I got from one person, then they'd get uh, a much higher interest rate than if it was from multiple people. Um, um, how long they're going to invest it for will dictate then the interest rate that is offered. And we would just look at this very much as a business um, and also the individual that's behind it. If it's the very, 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 very first time they've ever invested with us, then we'll definitely sweeten the deal. We'll give them a much nicer um, interest rate than what we would give more of our seasoned, been there, done it uh, type angels. Um, if they are, you know, I've got an angel investor, interestingly, that inherited some money, doesn't have a pension, um, doesn't have any other sources of income. They're in their early 70s and they are in rented accommodation. And um, I gave them 8% on the first tranche of cash, which was about four years ago, they don't want the money back. That 8% I'm paying them on that helps towards their rent. Then they invested another pot of cash in another project and I gave them 5% on that because money was more readily available, right? So they've got the best part of 150,000 pounds with me, but the 100 grand is at 8% and the 50K is at 5%, right? So, um, you know, if someone brand new came to the table, looking to invest with me, um, I, I go through some checks with them, first of all. So just to give you an idea, I don't just randomly take cash from any old Tom, Dick and Harry because I need to make sure that that cash in the project is safe. We can't have someone suddenly turn up 
and say halfway through a development, hey, can I get my money back, please? Right. Um, oh, Sarah's come back. There we are. I'm just talking, Sarah, about the checks that I carry out on my angel investors to ensure that they qualify to be an angel investor in my business. So, for example, um, we'll have a minimum level that they'd look to invest. So, for example, in my current project, 50 grand is the absolute minimum. But I have got people that have um, invested considerably more than that. Um, so 50 is the minimum. I also make sure that they sign a disclaimer to say that they have a will in place because if this is going to be a project that's maybe going to take longer than, let's say, 6, 12 months, um, well, actually, any length of project, I would ensure to do this anyway, but they need to sign a disclaimer to say that they've got a will in place and that actually if they died, their loved ones aren't going to turn around and say, right, give us our cash back. Right. Because if you're eye deep in a development and suddenly angry, upset family members are coming knocking on your door saying, can I have my 200 grand back? That's not going to work very well. Right. So to protect you as the investor, a will must be in place. And in actual fact, a lot of angel investors never had a will. So it's helped protect their assets by having that will in place. And they know then actually in the event of something bad happening to them, that that interest payment is still going to be paid into their estate, even when they're not gone. So that is done and then that capital can be paid to their estate when the loan term is complete so that's one big check that i um, carry out and also like sarah you mentioned earlier uh, people you know needing the money back by a certain time i'm very very clear on they can't get it back earlier on a whim right now I guess there's some scenarios where people have given us money as angels and they say, we don't really want it back because it pays for my rent or it pays for my kids' school fees or whatever it is. We just write into the contract that if they do at any point want it back, they must give us a three-month notice period on that because that then is enough time to juggle, refinance, or do whatever it is to then pay them their capital back. Would you? What would you do in that scenario, Sarah? Yeah, exactly that. And, you know, that's not too dissimilar to any high interest um, bank accounts. They all ask for notice. So we are not too dissimilar, are we? Eh? Yeah, exactly. And look, I think what you said earlier about the fact that people love property, they've seen, they, you know, they know, like and trust you. I too have not been asked or have rarely been asked for security. I had one angel investor that weighed 12% per annum on a first charge on everything. And we did two deals with him. We're not going to use him again. Not because his rates are unreasonable or anything like that. It's just actually there's just easier money out there. And yeah. that's the beautiful part of getting more competent in working with angel investors is that you can pick and choose who you want to, to work with. So we are, although we're always raising money and looking for new angel investors, we are quite picky about who we will do business with. What checks, what other checks would you carry out? What about money laundering or with the yeah, money? So definitely on the anti-money laundering. So we do ID checks. Um, we have a very simple form that we ask people to fill in, um, you know, which is uploading bank statements or source of money um, because, you know, we will... We take that this is a business. This is professional. So all of the steps that, um, you know, all all businesses would take in that manner, exactly what we do. Yeah. Uh, this, this isn't a back of a, a fag packet stuff. This is this is proper, um, you know, contracts with anti-money laundering done. Um, you know, I've got a privacy policy. I'm registered with the ICO. So 
all of the data that comes through to us is protected in that manner. Brilliant. Love it. Well, I think we've covered a lot of angles there. Have we missed anything? We've covered security. We've covered the interest rates. I've talked about um, anything. The, the lowest I've paid is 5%. The highest I've paid, well, the 2% a month. But I think over the last, let's say, eight years or so, it round about the 10 to 12% was where most people started 10, you know, 10 years or so ago. Anything from, uh, I'd say, six percent to ten percent is a really good rate at the moment but it will depend on the amount that's offered the length of time that it's offered for um and and also what what you want what as an angel investor what are you looking for what are you um looking back from um the relationship with that property investor um so i i for my listeners who are starting out, we massively recommend that you just tell people what you do, explain the process to them. People will be curious. They'll be interested. You don't need to have an ugly, hey, you got 50 grand you can lend me kind of conversation. It doesn't need to be that ugly. Um, it can be very much uh, an open uh, conversation or even just a, a story on on social media, right? Where yeah. seeing what you're doing. Exactly. I mean, it's it's the whole talk to people and how you talk to people is whether it's face to face, uh, whether it's on social media, all of those different mediums of, of talking. But I think the probably the first thing that anyone starting in property should do is start their money raising pretty much on day one. And that isn't, as you said, it's not blatantly sort of saying who's got 50K for me. It's yeah. building the story of what you do and building your credibility um, showing that you are doing this professionally, that this is a business, that it's working, that you understand everything about it and you've done all of the research so that they can trust their money is in a safe place and building your business for you. Brilliant. Well, Sarah, it's been great catching up. Sorry that your phone overheated halfway through that, but no. ad lib, ad lib through it, you know. We as probably, professional, Caroline. <laughs> we have to get used to things not going our way, right? Projects. Absolutely. Resilience is everything in property. <laughs> Planning applications taking longer than they should and all of that yeah. lovely stuff. There, yeah. <laughs> so look, it's been brilliant catching up. I know our husbands will be playing golf somewhere, um, but we are the brains behind the operation. So of course, if any of our listeners have any questions on how to work with an angel investor or want to become an angel investor, then they can contact either Sarah Blaney or myself, Caroline Clayton, through any social media, Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn. You'll find us happy to share experiences um, or advice um, and you can pull in our resources. We're always there to help you out. But Sarah, go back to your camping and have a great trip and I'll speak to you soon. Take care. Thank you, Caroline. Take care. Well, there it is, our quick whistle-stop tour on how to work with angel investors, how to be an angel investor, the criteria that you need to meet to be an angel investor, and what the property investor can offer you if you are looking for a better return than what you're getting currently in the marketplace. To be any kind of entrepreneur, you will be spending time raising money and structuring deals and finance agreements. So getting your head around maybe a £10,000 agreement with a friend or a family member or an acquaintance is a great place to start. 
If you have any questions or comments or want to become an angel investor or want to become a property investor, then you can contact me, Caroline Clayton, on Instagram, LinkedIn, or Facebook. Look forward to bringing you some more great content again in the future. Bye-bye now.